to Politics and Psychology. I'm Dr. Renee Carr, and please introduce yourself in the chat or on social media. Today, we are talking about toxic feminism. And for this to not be a one-sided or a one-time conversation, please always remember to leave your thoughts or your questions in the comment section below. And before we can talk about toxic feminism, let's first define feminism and its origins. Feminism is defined as a belief in the political, economic, and cultural equality of women. Now, it's usually separated into three different sections of history, and these are called waves. The first wave of feminism dealt with property rights and the right to vote. The second wave focused on equality and anti-discrimination. Now, the third wave came about in the 1990s as a backlash to the second wave because the second wave was seen as favoring and supporting only white heterosexual women who were also college educated. So advocates of women's rights and equality began as early as the time of Plato, actually in ancient Greece. We're going to focus more on the modern day feminism. The first wave is considered to have begun in the late 19th century, and it was for the most part positive for women and women's rights. And it focused on giving women legal equality in American society. Now in America, Abigail Adams, who was the wife to President John Adams, she was a strong advocate for this and she really encouraged her husband to focus on education and property as equal opportunities to women. In her letters to her husband, she actually declared that, quote, if particular care and attention is not paid to the ladies, we are determined to ferment a rebellion and we will not hold ourselves bound by any laws in which we have no voice. That was a pretty good statement. Um, but that kind of like led it to become a political issue. In 1920, the 19th Amendment in the United States Constitution granted American women the right to vote. And this is known as the women's suffrage. It was actually ratified in August of 1920 after almost 100 years of this being a protested issue. Now, during World War II, many women actively participated in the military or they found work in industries that were previously reserved to men because, of course, all the men were out at war. This, if you remember the little image, the cartoon image of Rosie the Riveter, well, this is where you have a lady in her short sleeve or her sleeve is rolled up and she's flexing her bicep. And this showed women's strength and women working. Well, this became the icon for the feminist movement. And it was conveying through imagery that women can replace men. Now, following this, in this, um, we had the civil rights movement. And during this time, women began to fight for greater opportunities more than just working in factories or in places because the men are at war, but to have more opportunities in the workplace in general, and also to have equal pay within the workspace, workspace, which of course this is still a fight that's happening for today. Now, the second wave arose in the 1960s and consisted of various efforts to eliminate the gap between gender roles in society. This led to the Equal Pay Act of 1963, and in 1971, feminists Gloria Steinem, Betty Friedan, and Bella Abzug founded the National Women's Political Caucus to have more political and financial power 
to um, promote or influence legislation that would go toward advocating and supporting women's rights. Now, the Equal Rights Amendment, which sought legal equality for women and banned discrimination on the basis of sex, became passed by Congress in 1972, but still has not become an actual law. Now, it was the second wave of feminism that gave birth to toxic feminism that we see today. So the second wave focusing on equal rights and not having discrimination based on sex and being able to vote, then this is what had a negative start of negative trends of the toxic that we, toxicity that we see today. So this toxic, femini toxic femininity was mostly viewed, again, as the second wave supporting white college-educated women who were also heterosexual. So then the third wave focused on going against all of those qualifications and focused on women of color, lesbians, immigrants, and religious minorities. And of course, this opened the floodgates. And instead of actually advocating for the concerns of women, feminism then began to focus less on being pro-women's rights and more on creating an anti-male society. Now, this toxic feminism promotes male hatred and the false generalization against the male gender. For example, it promotes that only women are good and all men are bad. It promotes that all men are potential rapists and oppressors, especially white men, and that all men cannot be trusted and as such, we must eliminate the threat that is men. Now, to eliminate this male threat, toxic feminists socially castrate men. And they do this in entertainment, on boxes of food in our grocery aisles, in commercials, and on TV. So have you noticed the increase in male actors being placed in skirts or in dresses? Have you seen how recently in car commercials, men are no longer in the driver's seat, literally and figuratively? and how more women are seen as driving the family? Have you also watched how more and more men are made to look stupid or clueless on TV series or even in other commercials? Or have you seen how children's cartoons are making girl characters stronger, which is a good thing, but they're doing it by making boy characters weaker? So if you notice any of those, then that's kind of a glimpse of what we're seeing as an active role in the entertainment, in political, commercial, social media images, creating a different image of what they want women and others to view men as. This is called the socialization of castration for men. They're using images to train individuals in a society how to view another member or how to view a group of members in a society in a particular way that will favor their own beliefs about what they want to push or what, what they want to advocate for. Now, there's also, in addition to just the social castration, there is also the very real and physical castration of men by the encouragement of genital surgeries, specifically the removal of penises. Now, behaviorally, we have toxic feminism and this strategically emasculates boys and men by applauding women who are aggressive and punishing males who display assertiveness, confidence, or masculinity. 
It punishes men for being gentlemen, such as opening a door for a woman and encourages women to believe that men are useless, that you don't need a man, and that the women should always be independent. And if a woman is in a relationship, she must also remain in control of that relationship. Now, this type of toxic feminism also encourages women to marry later in life and to delay childbearing. So think about it. If the whole agenda or the messaging that they want to promote is that men are a threat and men are useless, then it would only make sense that they would also promote then you should therefore marry as far along in your age as possible because it's not really necessary and it's more important to do other things that don't really involve men or involve you being a mother or being a wife. Focus instead on your career or focus instead on your dreams. Now, obviously that could be a good thing, but it's being manipulated in a way that is being used to promote the mindset of women to then actually believe, well, you know what? I've made it this far. I don't really need a man. Now, let's look at this from a psychological developmental stance. When you look at personality, women's personalities are formed by the time they are 28. The weight of being, their habits, their preferences are usually by the time they're 28. And for men, it's usually formalized or crystallized by the time they are 32. So if you have a toxic feminist agenda that's encouraging women to get married far later than sooner in their age, what they are also banking on is that, okay, well, by the time they do choose to get married, like in their late 30s or late 40s, they would have become so embracing of this mentality that I don't need a man, that when they do become married or they do have children, they are more likely to self-sabotage their own happiness and then reinforce that well, marriages don't work because supposedly men are not doing the right thing or the man is the one who ruined it. When in actuality, looking at it from a psychological perspective, what really happened is that the woman just became more used to being independent. She became more used to being alone or being able to provide for herself to achieve success by herself. So then when she's also told, in addition to you having your achievements without a man, we're also telling you from a feminist perspective that you don't even need one other than his sperm to have children. So when that woman gets married, she doesn't really know how to be a partner because feminism does not promote in modern day feminism being equal partners. They now are encouraging women to not just be a wife of equal status, but to instead overpower your husband and be the person in charge of your families. And this, of course, will not lead to happiness from either party. And when you look at the research for um, relationship studies, happiness studies, even even cultural studies, or even archaeological um, studies, then what you'll not archaeological but <laughs> humanistic studies, then what you see is that the research will show that this is not going to lead to happiness, but will instead lead to higher levels of divorce and higher levels of marital unhappiness for both the man and the woman, and also for more confusion and higher rates of anxiety and depression for the children within that home. But because the research and science 
do not align with toxic feminism, um, what toxic feminists will do was then change the science to make it cater toward what they want science to say. So they have created the term feminist science, and it focuses more on creating data and reports to support anti-male approaches rather than using unbiased scientific data collection in whatever they're advocating for. So toxic feminism has become so involved now in diluting real science and real research that the feminists are now rejecting even the biological basis of sex and will socially punish or quote unquote cancel others who did not accept their beliefs and who do accept the real science and real biology of the human body. So thinking about all this, you might say, okay, well then how has a fight for women's equality moved into science? Well, it's because by manipulating science to say that gender is not really real, then toxic feminists can also manipulate the public mind and legislation to make you think that not only are men not needed, but that women cannot be limited by biological influences. And when you examine what feminism is today, what stands out the most is that feminism is now toxic and hypocritical. For example, on the one hand, modern day feminists argue that feminism is a social construct that must be dismantled. But at the same time, they construct their own version of what gender is and what biology should say or should not say. So again, they're going against science and research and focusing more on their opinion or feminist science as they're calling it. Also, on the one hand, they say they are fighting for women to have equality, but then they disregard the real needs of real women and advocate instead for men to be accepted as women. Now, politically, toxic feminism promotes that all men must be kept from power that men always abuse power when they have it, especially white men, and that all traces of a patriarchal system must be removed. It also promotes that only women can be trusted and that women should be trusted at all times. For example, it promotes that in allegations of rape or sexual assault, that the woman should automatically be trusted and the man automatically punished, even when there's no ample evidence of the accusations or even time to investigate an accusation. In the workplace, we see this as um, toxic femininity thriving because women are allowed to attack men with no consequence. And at the same time, men are being forced to be quiet and to say nothing or to avoid saying anything that would offend any female coworker or superior at any time. What toxic femininity does is it makes the female the new oppressor and the male now becomes oppressed. It pushes for men to be meek and mild and submissive and for women to be aggressive, to be loud, and to be dominant. Now, I'm not talking about women having a voice, women speaking loudly, or advocating for themselves. I'm talking about a complete opposite so not in a disparaging way against women who are confident and who are assertive or even aggressive, 
but more so the elevating of women by the degrading of men. That's the basis of this new feminism or toxic feminism. Now, the um, agenda of having men being meek and wide, meek and mild, it essentially becomes the same system of gender discrimination and oppression that it was created to fix. Or you don't want to have women being oppressed, or we don't want to promote a system or a society that encourages gender discrimination. So what toxic feminism does is it focuses on eliminating women bearing the brunt of it and flips it so now men are. The messaging is clearly anti-male and male hatred. It also focuses on advocating for women having not equal rights, but having all rights and for men to have no rights at all. And it no longer focuses on equality but on the systematic oppression of men. Now, at the same time, this toxic feminism is also unfortunately anti-women. Toxic feminists push for society to ignore real women, the accomplishments of real women, and the existence of real women. And instead, they embrace men who have had genital surgeries or men with gender identity disorders as being equal to or more of a protected class than women. For example, it's toxic feminism that led to Hershey's Chocolate celebrating men with gender dysphoria on International Women's Day and throughout the whole National Women's History Month instead of actual women. It's also toxic feminism within Forbes that led to the celebration of having a man with gender dysphoria to quote-unquote inspire women and embrace womanhood during their 2022 Forbes Power Women Conference. So if you look at all of this, look at feminism from when it first started with the first wave in the early 1990s to now in the third wave, we see that feminism has become extremely damaging to women from a psychological, sociological, economic, and human perspective, the toxic feminism we see today does more damage to women's rights than it does to helping women's rights. From teaching women that only gender-confused men can inspire us, to demanding that our daughters have their breasts removed to look less like a female, to condemning women who want to marry and stay at home to care for their children, to creating messages that our fathers, brothers, and sons are all rapists, useless, and cannot be trusted. The feminist movement of today has become so extreme that it contradicts itself and science. And so what began as a fight against male domination and female subordination and against female sexism has now turned into anti-male sexism and the rejection of the, the beauty, the biology, and the brains of women. So instead of promoting equality, happiness, and success for both men and women, what we're seeing is the strategy of raising women by lowering men and by promoting belief systems that all women are good and all men are bad. And by saying this, what um, the feminist movement is now saying, instead of advocating, instead of elevating women, what this new feminist movement is doing 
in this toxic approach is now saying that, well, women and the world can only really be valued, respected, and powerful when they look and act like men, when men act and look like women, and when all heterosexual men are demoralized and disregarded. And this is completely the opposite of what women need in our country or in any country. So if you are focusing on Women's History Month, please remember to also include in your conversations how toxic feminism is actually hurting our women more than it is helping. And that does end our time for today. And I thank you for listening. I thank you for clicking back on. And although this does end our time, I do appreciate your patience. I do appreciate you listening. But I also appreciate you please continuing in this conversation. And when you do so, remember to do so using science. And if you